1: People have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress, and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Slash awards Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: Time now for... It's not good for the sport as a whole. It is shrinking the national interest in the sport. It's becoming more regionalized. There's fewer teams that really think they have any kind of a chance. The Yahoo Sports College Podcast. This is one of the biggest fundamental problems with college
0: football. Nobody's looking out for what's in the best interest of the sport.
3: Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right. Plenty to overreact to here, baby. The playoff field is set. There's a lot of anger out there. There's a lot of bitterness. There's hurt feelings. There's insults. There's passive aggressiveness. It's all the stuff we love about this sport. And I have to say, we predicted this field for like a month, and yet it was still funny last night, Saturday night. Watching the uh, all of it play out, the ridiculous tweets, the arguments, the whole thing. It was clear this is what the committee was going to do. If you listen to this podcast, we told you what they were going to do. Do not listen to that ridiculous ESPN percentage you're going to make the playoff <laughs> field thing. <laughs> the worst. At one point at like 10 o'clock last night, it said Clemson only had an 83% chance to get in. A 17% chance that Clemson would not make the playoff at like 10 o'clock <laughs> at night. Right. What is the math on this? What is this formula? That is a roll of a dice. Take After one... they had trampled Notre Dame. Trampled yes. Notre Dame with 10. I mean, come on. What playoff could you have without Clemson?
0: None. <laughs> we saw your 24-point victory, but there's a 20% chance you may drop two
3: spots. We're going to drop Everywhere. you out of the playoff for kicking the <laughs> crap out of number two. literally humiliating the number two team in the country. We're thinking you take a dice and I say, it's going to roll two. That's a 17% chance. That's your chance. I mean, what is this? I mean, the sport is so comical. It's so full of shysters. (laughs) <laughs> from from the people running this thing to the bowl directors, to the ADs, to the conference commissioners. Hey, uh, we have a very strict standard COVID standard here in the Big Ten. We got to protect the kids heart. Wait, that might uh, cost uh, Chris Olive for the semifinal. We're going to change that. system. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's not an honest person in this sport to whoever <laughs> is selling ESPN on this ridiculous formula. <laughs> I just uh, you just laugh.
0: So you would think uh, after the first month where it was catastrophically wrong, somebody might have been like, you know, maybe we just don't give Twitter that fodder to mock us this weekend. Maybe we just don't like trot it out there. And uh. yeah, now I didn't take a lot of math classes in Syracuse, but like, boy, that is bad math. <laughs> uh,
3: it would have to be a one team playoff. That would have been the <laughs> yeah. only Right. We're having a one-team playoff. We're just going to have the spring game in Tuscaloosa and crown them the champs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> so thoughts on the playoff field. Uh, Notre Dame drops from two to four. Obviously, resume was over recency. a never stood a chance. I think really at the end of the day, Florida had three losses. The only other team they beat with a winning record was Auburn. Ohio State yeah play six games play four games don't even play you're in man we love you we love the bucks <laughs> sure it's the 2020 playoff but we don't care about 2020 as a season just have a bye week every week just ease into it ease into it ohio state you know this is it i look i think ohio state clem's going to be great uh, Notre Dame, a better show a hell of a lot more uh i don't i think everyone was getting boat raced by bama anyway so That's my thoughts. Pat, what do you think of the field? Uh, I think this. You you said that we called it basically a month ago. We
2: called it, we called three-fourths of it in July. We called three-fourths of it in January. This is the same field it's always been. This is more of same old, same old college football. It is Alabama. It is Clemson. It is Ohio State. They have been... This is now the fourth playoff appearance for Ohio State, the sixth for Clemson, the sixth for Alabama. We've only had a total of 11 programs make the field. This is the first year we haven't had one newcomer because God forbid Cincinnati should get a chance. Oh, no, we can't have that. We can't have anybody from the outside coming in. And this is what the sport has become. And, you know, I'm not blaming those teams for being excellent. And dominant and consistent over time, but it's it's not good for the sport as a whole. It is shrinking the national interest in the sport. It's becoming more regionalized. There's fewer teams that really think they have any kind of a chance. And so what we have is even in a year like this that saw is going to see the Rose Bowl be played in Texas. It sees Notre Dame in a conference that sees games getting canceled left and right. Players opting out. Bowls teams are dropping bowl bids it's the same thing the not even the pandemic can alter the power structure of college football no
0: i uh i I agree with pat i I had kind of two takeaways from yesterday One is that like i wanted to write a column about cincinnati and and argue for their inclusion but it would it would be like a column arguing albania should win the world cup like the (laughs) odds the committee set were stacked so much against Cincinnati that, like, you can't even make a reasonable argument for them. They would have had to have jumped five spots. And that's just not going to happen. And so it's, it it, it it like, almost, like, give the committee credit for declaring their biases so early. And just, it, we've said it on the podcast for weeks. Cincinnati's not going to have a chance. Nobody in that room wanted Cincinnati to have a chance, and they ended up having no chance. That's really, like, the, the long and the short of it. And the fact that they... I don't even know where they are now because the show is entering its 17th hour, and I don't think they've actually revealed the <laughs> yeah, rankings they, yet.
2: They haven't done anything past the top six. We are taping this yes. at 2.15. They started the show at noon, and we have six. That's it. The, the other takeaway that I that I had from the macro, and I wrote
0: a column about this for, for Yahoo today, that will surely be well-received. My email will be uh, certainly filled with well-reasoned <laughs> counter-arguments tomorrow, is I really think that when you distill the Notre Dame versus AM argument, it's pretty fascinating. The aura of SEC invincibility and inevitability, I think, was dulled on Sunday. When you look at AM's argument, so let's just cancel out the two elite wins, the Underman Clemson at one and Florida win. Let's just cancel those out. That's not quite equal, but one was four, one was one at the time. So you're basically, Gary Barta said, well, they had two ranked wins. So that pierces the SEC soul. When you're saying winning in Chapel Hill means more than winning in Auburn. That is like a big, big blow to the collective ego. And I asked a bunch of coaches about this this morning and you know, from both sides. We've been in both leagues and, and got, some, got some different answers on, on, on what was what. But when you look back, and we, we obviously, uh, Pat and Dan, lived through that seven-year BCS SEC, SEC streak where winning SEC games was a gauntlet. Well, guess what? Kick the Florida game out, there were six games in a row that Texas A&M won in the SEC, and it wasn't no gauntlet, according to College Football Playoff Committee. And that's really the the only group that matters, right? This isn't like what Feinbaum callers think or what, you know, uh, Yokels in Columbus think, right? The committee that matters the most said, I see your six straight SEC wins, and I do not care about them. And that is a blow to the SEC
3: it doesn't quite mean as much as they think. No respect on the SEC win streak. Absolutely. You beat Tennessee. Yep. Ah, Tennessee's not good. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it was no question. It's my thing about this committee is it's wildly inconsistent. Okay? So it sits there and says, we have no respect for your SEC victories, yet it gives Oklahoma a ton of respect for being a Big 12, which actually crapped all over itself in the non-conference. Okay. Ohio State gets credit for beating Penn State or, or for beating Northwestern on Saturday. Right now, the whole thing is, you know, if if you're going to say, cin- let's say you say Cincinnati, you don't get it. A- you don't get any credit for past uh, or, or it's, it's all perception on how good your your opponents are. Right. In the past, uh, Big Ten's better than the AAC. OK, fine. Why is Northwestern get credit for its past? It went three and nine last year. <laughs> yeah, this three and nine team all of a sudden becomes a juggernaut worth massive respect. Why? Northwestern isn't any, they weren't any good. Now they're great, but beating central Florida and Memphis. Now, whoever heard of those two, well, they went 22 and five last year, right? Beating, beating these sec teams mean nothing. Who cares? Well, you beat Iowa state. Well, all right now, like what? (laughs) That's my problem with this. I don't think the field is the field. There was no good choice for four, but it was like, where did you come up with these? I can I can counter argue with using your own logic on every one of these.
2: Yeah. The power conference echo chamber that just the automatic assumption that if you win games in those leagues, you are beating good teams and you have good wins. It's all just built on, on history and laundry. That's it, man. You know, that there's, Certainly with the, like the Big 12 thing, as, as we have discussed before, I mean, just has driven me crazy this year because they have been accorded a respect that they did nothing to earn. If anything, they, they did have a lot to, to earn disrespect at the beginning of the season. And yet still, everybody's out there. You really think Cincinnati could beat Oklahoma? Well, I know Kansas State could beat Oklahoma. And <laughs> Kansas State sucks. And they were COVID depleted
0: in that game. Yes. They were teaching wide receivers on the bus how to play corner.
3: <laughs> so, of all the teams, all the leagues to suddenly say we don't care about the past, it was the yeah. SEC. Like, what? What? <laughs> the SEC and the AAC got no respect for beating teams that had proven they had, like, I'm sorry, UCF's a good football team. Yeah. Memphis is a good football program. They have proven that. Cincinnati is not an upstart. They are 31 and 5 in the last three seasons. This yeah. is a good football. No respect whatsoever. SEC, same. No respect. But, my God, you beat Indiana and Northwestern. Holy cow. <laughs> we got I mean, like, I just don't get it. I, I just – it's like, well, all right. That's that's what you went with. But I don't yeah. know how a 22-10 victory over Northwestern is suddenly uh, – I mean,
2: l- l- that's incredible because, I mean – Look, okay, yes, Ohio State was down some key people uh, yesterday. No doubt about that. But they struggled like hell in that game. They were behind much of the game. And if Trey Sermon doesn't just run around like Eddie George, they don't win the game. Now, credit to Trey Sermon for being great, you know, for being heroic, really, for, for Ohio State. But, I mean, I'm watching that game, and I'm like, really, we're supposed to be impressed by this? No, not at all. They got backed into the right game plan in that Justin they Fields hurt his thumb, and they
0: basically stopped throwing the ball. They threw a few passes, but most of the part, like Justin Fields, now and somebody asked Ryan Day after, like basically, do you regret not going to the run earlier? And I would have been like, I think, I think so, right? Like it certainly was an, a, a very effective strategy. And Justin Fields reverted right back to that Indiana fetal position we saw, just like throwing the ball around, and it was, it was, yeah, it, it, it it'll be interesting. To skip around, you're going into that Ohio State Clemson game, which I'm sure we'll talk about plenty. But there was sort of this like veneer around Justin Fields of this like uh, you know of this inevitability to be like a top five pick. And there have been some some flaws and some warts that have uh, that have emerged with him, um, at, you know, at two key junctures this season. And again, like I bet he wishes he could have played Bowling Green and whatever Flotsam and Jetsam they had rolling through, and got better and got like there's. It, it's so hard to judge anything in 2020. But, like, the empirical evidence we do have, like, there, there's been some, you know, th- there's been some, I don't want to say regression there, but there's certainly been some pauses for concern when, when you're talking about a guy who everybody had penciled in to go to the Jaguars at number two in the draft.
3: Yeah, obviously, I mean, it, it, it he did not look great. You know, he'll have to be a lot better against Clemson. Uh, Clemson obviously looked really, really good. I hope we can dispense of this. You guys coming up with other Heisman candidates, please.
2: <laughs> we can we can I listened as to the as as SEC propaganda
3: show Saturday yeah. night and they basically had five the entire Heisman finalist crew will be just Alabama players I'm like it's this guy over in South Carolina Clemson long hair kind of tall give me a break he's the best player he's the best player pick him yeah. all right Alabama what, 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 will, what will Trevor Lawrence do against the Alabama defense which got Torched by, you know, hey. Kyle you Now, if he could get Pitts to transfer real quick, that would help. But um, whatever. So Bama, the Bama game was closer than you know, Florida put up a good, a good credibility. And I guess this would be my thing. Again, it's kind of the funny part. UF gives Bama that great game. And and as you said, the SEC's credit to the SEC was there was none. Like nope. I actually think losing by six to Alabama. Should have improved Florida's status more than if they had, you know, not thrown a shoe against LSU. Right. I mean, if I'm AM, I'm like, this is even a better win. We beat this team that, you know, like we could do this. We're a different team. One thing about college football, it, it goes to some old thinking that you have to be just like dominant, a team so dominant you could be unchallenged. I think it goes back to like, seriously, like Bud Wilkerson times or some. Crap like that, or or nobody could touch this team. So you lose early in undefeated, the undefeated,
0: untied, unscored oh, upon. Yeah. <laughs> it,
3: I mean, maybe AM's a hell of a lot better than it was early in the year. You know, like I don't know. You know, I mean, Oklahoma certainly looks good. I'll give them that. I just think when you listen to these guys try to explain this, it's impossible. And then Pete and I were talking about this this morning. Again, on this, they these weekly rankings kill their their credibility because they spent yeah. five weeks contradicting themselves. So everybody's screaming negatively at this committee when if you just shut up, don't don't, you know, like just don't don't tell anyone what you're thinking. You just came out today and said, hey, these are our reasons. No one would have really flipped out like they did. And you're you're better off that that show continues to to hurt the credibility of this thing.
0: Absolutely. Can Can we just quickly discuss the notion that if Marco Wilson did not throw that shoe there's actually a pretty good chance Texas A&M could have gotten the title. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they, that's uh-huh. like a viable talking point.
2: No, it's a good point. Shoot. I, I, hey, even Florida would be out there sitting there saying, "Hey, we played yeah. Alabama closer than anybody else."
3: Is and Marco? They, they'd be. Is Marco a trying senior? To lobby the when Marco's a Marco's senior? Marco's a, junior. He's a junior. Right, no, junior, When he comes out or he's a senior, a bunch of Longhorn fans ought to go fund me him. That's that's the future of the NLI, right? Like, I'm gonna, thank you, Marco, for keeping these. Yes. I didn't want to listen to that. My Aggie cousin, <laughs> my damn Aggie brother-in-law, talking about how we're in the playoff. Marco Wilson. This is how this is the great parts of this sport. As stupid Tor as this sport, Torsy's
0: tacos is. will be the first nil for Marco Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: As stupid <laughs> as this sport is, a guy throwing a shoe. <laughs> In a game another that had team. Major cost impact another on them. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's the fun part. You never know what's going to happen. You just never know. A Florida man's thrown shoe last Saturday <laughs> cost, a, <laughs> cost a rival a chance to
0: play for the national title.
3: Yeah. I mean, kind of funny. Jimbo Jimbo gets done in by the Gators. <laughs> that's his, those his arch rival for the past, anyway. Go ahead, yeah. No, if you wanted to write a fictional spoof
2: of college football, you couldn't have come up with the Marco Wilson shoe throw impacting the national championship race. I, I,
3: I, I used to do this column on. like a couple like once a year for a while when that show. HBO Ballers was out. And the mm-hmm. and they would have all these ludicrous storylines, and the NFL came out and was like, "This is not indicative of the NFL." You know, they, like really because I remember your MVP, you know, your biggest, your highest-paid quarterback getting jailed for a dogfighting ring, and I remember, <laughs> you know, like you come up with, there's no storylines that are too stupid for football. They all. Fit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me go back to this Cincinnati thing. I think our issue, I, I don't know about you guys, I don't think Cincinnati necessarily is a top-four team. I think it's completely disrespectful to not even include them in the discussion. I mean, I think they end up seven, maybe eight, who knows. They literally, this committee basically made clear that they has no chance. There is yeah. zero chance for a non-conference a non-Power 5 team making this because this was the year. Because of the pandemic, there was a loophole. There was a gap in there where you go, hey, you know what? We don't have a good fourth team. We barely have a good third team since they only played half a season, okay? I know that they're Ohio State, but there were plenty of places you could have slipped this team in and said, what the hell? Let's give the AAC champ. They didn't even discuss them. They didn't even care. That, to me, was more disrespectful and more indicative of like, we just don't think you're any good. And again, this is a team that won 11 games, 11 games, and it went 9-0. and It's not just, a, you know, there's more respect put on a three-win team like Northwestern that gets to, what, 5-2 and two than, yeah. than than Cincinnati. You beat UCF, who cares? Well, UCF's been good. We've seen this. You know, so one of the most interesting things I got, you know, we got UCF put out this, like, NWO wrestling <laughs> videos and the fans are Oresko's complaining, you know, fickle doesn't say a whole lot, but you know, the whole thing's tough. Here's the thing. A couple years ago when they, there's a, there's a Nicole Rback story out there saying, you know, are we going to expand the playoff? And Mike Arresco's, I'm not there yet on number eight. When will these other leagues, when will these other leagues stand up for themselves? The AAC needs to be screaming about this the Pac-12, which hasn't had a playoff team now in four years, needs to be screaming about this. You're completely irrelevant. The committee doesn't, pac is irrelevant. They don't care about you, the committee. The committee just told everybody else they don't care. The Big 12 is like, mm, all right, when are these leagues going to stand up and say we're expanding this damn playoff? I mean, why is they so passive when it matters? Because it's easy to make statements right now or press conference quotes, go into that meeting room and demand that the sport starts actually being a playoff for all of college football, not just three teams that are dominating their league and whoever gets to be fourth, whether it's Notre Dame or Oklahoma. That's basically what we have. There are 28 playoff bids have been given out. 20 of them went to four teams. Yeah. So when are you know when would the AAC Pack when will they organize? Because the AAC exists because the Big Big East never stood up for itself. They got raided. I I, I just don't I don't know what it would take for anybody to to start screaming. Oh, that's well
2: part of the problem. Yes, lack of vision, lack of good leadership, and the fundamental resistance to change within the sport and rocking the boat. You know, I mean that. <laughs> That's why things have been the same. As we've all said a thousand times, it only took 145 years to come up with a playoff. You know, uh, that's all. So then, my God, the thought of changing the playoff just blows people's minds. It's going to be so difficult. We've got a contract. We've got this. we got that. That's every other league should be out there, just as as you said, lobbying like crazy. You know, Oresco, Larry Scott, for the love of God, when are you going to speak up? I mean, Larry Scott... Was is the commissioner of a league that had an undefeated team that was 15th, a Power 5 league that had a team that was 15th in the last rankings. Now, USC then went ahead and spit the pit against Oregon. But, you know, when that's the case, you should be screaming for an expanded playoff every single day. Every day, getting on radio stations, getting on ESPN, getting on everything and saying we need to expand the playoff.
0: So here's an interesting nuance from last night, and I know Dan holds the bowl system sacred, so this may this may really rattle him to the core, but the fact that you can arbitrarily take a bayonet to the back of the Rose Bowl and move it from the Los Angeles area to the Dallas area really does underscore how disposable the bowls actually are, and if we really wanted dynamic change for the future of the sport, shedding the bowl system would be a really... Really smart way to make your system more nimble. Uh, so I, I've written a lot about the Rose Bowl the last the last two weeks as it sort of started to crumble and the the, the resistance started to build until Brian Kelly gave the Gettysburg Address of killing the Rose Bowl speeches in, <laughs> his, uh, in his press conference. But you know you talk to enough of these enough of these leaders who you know outside the Big Ten and Pac twelve are just sick of like the Rose Bowl's arrogance and everything. And one of them theorized to me as the Rose Bowl was sort of was dying of 100 cuts until Brian Kelly came in uh, off, off the top rope, if you will, was like, maybe this finally helps like ease the stranglehold because and again, I want to bore everyone like a history of, of like the, the Rose Bowl stranglehold stranglehold on the playoff system. but the Rose Bowl, the parade, the sunset have dictated how college football determines its champion for at least the past generation. Perhaps this power play just says, hey, hey, settle down with your parade and your sunset there in Pasadena, and let's do what's best for the sport. Because the the worst part about the Rose Bowl and why there's so much collective animosity built up towards it is because they've done what's best for their collective parade and their collective sunset and their Arroyos and the San Gabriels. And again, this is one of the biggest fundamental problems with college football. Nobody's looking out for what's in the best interest of the sport. And if you want to maximize financially and make your product the best, you ditch the bulls or keep them on in a ceremonial role. But run your own playoff. Dan said this a million times. The NFL doesn't sublet the NFC wildcard game. And it's one of the great arguments for just how business-wise stupid a lot of this structure still is. It's clone to tradition. I think players care. They want to be three and duns. They don't need a bull package. They got they got name, image, and likeness now. They can buy their own PlayStation and their own sweatsuits. Like, it, it just, there's... There are some things that, and I'm not going to say kill all the bulls. You can still have your Gasparilla Bowl and your, you know, it's still going to sh- sleet in Shreveport, all that stuff. Give everybody trips, reward them, but don't let your billion-dollar industry be undermined by the facade of tradition.
3: So, yeah, the, the, the bulls need to get out of the playoff. That's that's what needs to happen. The bowls can exist. You can play them at that game, but they need to be. Out. You don't even need to play them there because then you get then you're you're still outsourcing to this third party that does nothing. You can well, use the facility in
0: the, in the venues. Yes, you, can you can use that's what
3: them. I mean. Yes. That, that, yeah. I mean, that's one of the arguments like these guys are so there's so much cronyism in college sports. It's like, well, we're going to need to rent um, a, a stadium. Uh, and you go, boy, you can get a better deal uh, if you play that game up in Indianapolis this weekend or Detroit. No, no, we got to go to one of our, we got to go to Dallas because it's one of our six spots. We got to, right? Like they don't look for the cheapest deal. It's, it's well, we got to go to Dallas. Got to work with uh, Jimmy or Gary or whatever it is, right? And he's got to get his cut. Everyone's getting a cut. If if the three, I, I used to say this argument when we did Death of the BCS. Yes, if three of us walk into the, Roger Goodell's office and say, hey, Roger, I got an idea for you. Why don't you allow us to own the NFC Championship game? And instead of playing in Green Bay, we're going to make everyone move to San Antonio and I get half the money and uh I dictate what time the game is. What do you think? I mean, right, yeah. they throw you right out of the office building in Manhattan. It's stupid. But this is what they, they outsource their most profitable product. Get rid of these bowls get out of the thing. First off, you have the reason we have four and not eight is because they can't do eight bowl, they can't do three straight bowl weekends. They know it. So they have to use on campus sites. And if you do on campus sites, you start quickly realizing that this is better. Okay, none of us have ever sat yeah. inside Bryant Denny Stadium last year. We're all at the LSU Alabama game. That environment, man, oh. you know, do you sat there and boy, boy, I wish this sucker was out at University of Phoenix Stadium right now. I really <laughs> even Coach O would have been like, hey, this is pretty cool, man. Like, this is pretty cool, right? So it's like, come on, you earn home field. They don't want that because that's where the cronies get hit and that's what this is all about. So we have to respect the cronies. We got to take look at it it, it, it it I these numbers will be they're they're dated and they're wrong cuz I don't still do all the research, but man, did I do research for that book. It used to cost the SEC 1 million dollars to stage the SEC Championship game at uh the Georg- then Georgia Dome. Okay? One month later, the Chick-fil-A bowl would be held. And these numbers are moderately, they're close. I'm not gonna get them perfect. The Georgia don't the the Chick-fil-A people would charge, would take in $12 million to stage the bowl game there. Okay. One month, same venue, an SEC team, an ACC team, they'd have like Clemson play Auburn, and they'd make $12 million off the game. The SEC's doing it for a million. Why? Why would you allow someone to do that? Anybody can rent these stadiums and play a game. It's not that hard. You, Yeah, no, you don't get a week of, uh, we're going to have the steak eating contest. That's when you go to the crappy bowls. You get to do that. You want the playoff? <laughs> you play it like a playoff. It's so simple. Once they do this, the sport will improve. But they're so handcuffed that even Mike Oresco at the AAC and Larry Scott at the Pac-12, who should be screaming about this, aren't screaming. So, uh, you know, I hear your protests because this is ridiculous. It's better for the sport. Whether you think Cincinnati's the top four team or not, and I don't, but it's better for the sport if they have a chance. Absolutely. Now, that's the thing. More access, more interest, more
2: storylines, more inclusion, and then on the occasions when there are the big upsets, people will remember it forever. Uh, but now along the lines of the cronyism that you guys are referring to, you know, the fact that they are moving the Rose Bowl to Arlington. Why Arlington. I don't know, because as I pointed out on Twitter, the positivity test rate there is higher than in Los Angeles County. So the stated reason of, well, the test test numbers are bad in L.A. County. Okay, we're going to move the game to somewhere where it's worse. And we're going to put 16,000 people in the stands. More chances to spread the disease. Indoors. Awesome. Great move by the playoff committee. But, hey. They are in bed. They've had a, they got a sweetheart relationship with the Cowboys and with that stadium there, and the college football playoff headquarters are in Grapevine right there. So, people helping people, not helping the sport, but helping people. Yeah,
0: that was actually one of the few surprises of Sunday was that Alabama. I mean. They said the CFP, but Alabama chose to go to Dallas, right? Yeah. Like you, essentially, you essentially get your choice, And it makes sense. They get 16,000 tickets in Dallas instead of, instead of in New Orleans. I think Shaben's inner myopic paranoia would have him rather have his dudes at the Hill in Anatole off a highway in an access road than
3: two blocks <laughs> from Bourbon Street, right? We don't really get a lot of time off. And the fact is, we got a lot of time off now. So we've been using it all the time that we have and just been living it up.
1: You're going to say in front of coach Saban, where he can hear you living it up on bourbon street. is the best part about new Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Sorry. It's, it's been the, the greatest thing. And, and I just want to
0: say I'd have had a lot of fun. There's some logistics sense that, that goes there. Also, a lot more dudes in that in a, in a two-hour radius yep. from Dallas than there are We're from New Orleans. And there's We're plenty recruiting. of good players in New Orleans. But that's really an area that Alabama, because of the weaknesses of Texas now, has been able to hammer and will continue to be able to hammer. So I just think when you really dial in, it's not all that surprising. Um, I was also surprised that, like, there was some ambiguity. This whole Rose Bowl thing was, like, a hilarious fix. Uh, but, like, there was some ambiguity of whether they were actually going to call it the Rose Bowl. I couldn't get an answer last mm-hmm. night when I, when I called around, the but there it was the Rose Bowl logo on my, on my TV today. So I'll be curious if they like put the, like the pedals in the end zone. Like I would, they don't have turf, right? Like <laughs> are they going to have the logo. So there's some just, you know, like dumb inside baseball stuff. That's, uh, that's going to be uh, a, that, that's going to be a little bit, a little bit interesting, uh, a little bit interesting from that. Wait,
3: wait, Cincinnati went to number eight. Yeah. They went to number eight. Yeah.
0: Yep. I mean, yeah, they rewarded them for that AAC championship, moving him <laughs> up uh one slot below one where they spot. where they were before they last played.
2: Yeah. Yep. I think they there must have been at least some realization, oh my god, we way overinflated Iowa State because they dropped from 6 to 10 after losing by 6 points in the uh, Big 12 Championship. So yeah, Cincinnati's going to play Georgia in a bowl game. Uh Florida's going to play Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl, and Interesting because we were just discussing ACC versus SEC lack of respect. North Carolina will play
3: Texas A and M. Right, that I'm. A, if I'm the Carolina, I don't want any part of that game. A and M is yeah. Jimbo's yeah. going to be pissed. Yeah, eight for Cincinnati. Well, imagine is, the opt
0: outs, though. You know what I mean? Like well, there's going to be a lot of you know. There's yeah. Who is still playing football? Games are played. It Bulls is are all like about who cares. Ten days. Like, you need a give a give a hoot factor. And I imagine A oh. and M's give a hoot factor just like. Went out the window.
3: Wow. Well, all right. Number eight. So we did not even. We, we, we gave the committee more respect that they were going to give respect to Cincinnati than. How do you drop a spot? We didn't mock them
0: adequately, which is usually not one of our weaknesses. Usually we over mock, <laughs> but we actually did not mock the committee adequately for that, you know, transparent jobbing. Yeah. Yikes. Well, Oregon, that Pac-12 champion Oregon finished 25. These results yeah. are. Popping up as we tape here on uh, on Sunday afternoon. San 25. Jose
2: State undefeated and only number
3: 22. Yeah. Best story yeah. going, man. Seven <laughs> oh, What a story. What a story. Kicked out yeah. of their county. They played home yeah. games yeah. in both Hawaii and Nevada, yeah. which neither of which are in the San Jose state. <laughs> they yeah. had training camp in Humboldt State. Yeah. Practiced
0: at uh, a high school in a different county.
3: Yeah best story going seven and oh and they play i watched i had not seen much san jose state and it had failed me this i failed on that uh they played very very well against boise uh really good yeah really really good good team congratulations to san jose state that uh, i hope
0: brent brennan's the coach of the year yeah i mean like national there's a couple of those national coach of the year awards like it's uh there are obviously other uh, there are obviously other deserving candidates, but boy, that's a uh, you know that's a that's a that's a really you know that's one of that's one of the coolest stories in the in the sport. It's it, it's funny. Last night, after Cincinnati won, I tweeted out. So in twenty seventeen AAC champ Cincinnati was four and eight. Coastal, the Sunbelt champ was three and seven after twenty in twenty seventeen. Ball State, which won the MAC, was two and ten in twenty seventeen. San Jose State was two and eleven. UAB in twenty sixteen, the program was disbanded, right? And all five of those won, and it it made me think like how cool that is, and how much more parity there is at that level. And the G five level, I'm not saying the G five level is better than that, but it's like there is more organic excitement because it's different faces every year, and just yeah. essentially one recruiting cycle, those five programs went from afterthoughts or not existent two conference champions and that's that's very cool you
3: know, I just saw this uh Sully put this on the rundown a tweet from Billy Lucci who said um we we'll go back to uh Marco throwing the uh the shoe who knew that Trevor Lawrence getting COVID was going to ultimately keep AM out of the playoff it would be also right <laughs> Trevor's playing that game in South Bend yeah Notre Dame's not winning that game I mean it was a it's an over there was some yeah they're not winning yeah how so ever
0: beat A&M three years in a row. <laughs>
3: twice, <laughs> twice on the field. <laughs> twice on the field and once in, and once in the COVID protocol. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a sport. What an absolutely nuts. All right. We got to get to the race for the case uh, finale. Uh, we have a much like college football itself. We're not getting a lot of parody. Pete won again. Two years running now. 52 42 and one Pat and Sully 50, 44 and one. I'm taking my fat bear victory 47, 48, and one. <laughs> All things considered. I we won did... the
0: same amount as my alma mater did in football this year. So I feel pretty good about that.
3: Yeah. You know, we um we do better than most of these gambling places. So yeah. honest to God, I see these gamblers on Twitter. I watch these gambling predictions. Like, oh, I had a tough week last year. You go one in six. But like, how are you in this business? <laughs> <laughs> we should ask
0: our listeners this, like, do if we were pondering a pod just where we picked games and we picked like more as we think about it, would, would people be interested in that? Or is that like, is is two is two of us in a week enough? Like I, I, you know, I obviously consume podcasts two a week, three a week is sort of that that zone, and it's like is is th- would three be too many if we pick games? I don't know. Let let hit us up in our uh, hit us up in our mentions and see what you
2: uh, and
3: yeah. see what you think. I'm yeah. sure
0: for many of you, even once a week is too much of
3: us. So Pat, uh, Pete, you get to either make us donate to charity or you can uh, drink our beer. It's up to you again. Let,
0: let me ponder yeah. it. I'll, I'll give you an answer on uh, I'll give you an answer on Wednesday, or Tuesday. Is that okay? You guys, I should say, very generously already did donate to play ball boston the charity i'm on the board of that funds local local sports so yeah but uh, my fear is that pat doesn't know how to use drizzly because he can't put apps on his iphone so i don't really think i'd actually get the beer from pat
2: <laughs> you might not
3: i as a matter of fact i think i still owe wetzel money for last year's beer so yeah, well <laughs> that is true i paid i think i bought it and then we bought something you were and then you were going to write me a check Are you were like, a venmo yes. i mean it's like well, I'll get around to it. He's like when I go to the grocery store and there's the old lady with, like, the hair bonnet, and they always got a personal check. They're always up there with a yes. check. Dear, dear, how do I how do I write this? Oh, no. <laughs> this is going to take an hour. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, congratulations, Pete. Thank you. Well Thank done. You. Well, well done. Say, yeah. I mean, 10 games above 500 when you're picking three days ahead of time during a COVID season, and you were forced to pick some absolutely absurd games early on. <laughs>
2: That's be when he made his hay. Game. He got a, he got yeah. way up on us early.
3: That's, we gotta. Yeah. We'll have to dedicate a show to like like podcast favorites of early September. How did they finish up? Like as I <laughs> I lost track of the Abilene Christian season. <laughs> or that you guy that guy who, what's that the school at Houston yeah. that their stadium is in a CBS oh yeah drive Houston, Baptist the, baby CVS yeah yeah the CVS in the end zone and yeah. uh, they almost beat. Texas Tech. Texas Tech, yeah. Some, yeah. yeah, an-
2: Another great moment in Big 12
3: seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Almost lost to the, the CBS Stadium team, yeah. which I can't even remember what their name is. <laughs>
0: but. Their, their OC just went to Western Kentucky from uh, Houston Baptist, and I immediately <laughs> oh, thought of God. CBS.
3: <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, the fact you know that. <laughs> well, it's my job to know it, Dan. Houston <laughs> Baptist. That's why you make the big bucks. As we said, a lot of Baptists in Houston. They should be good. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, they're going to give out the Heisman at some point. I don't know what the, the they're going to have virtual Heisman, right? Virtual Heisman. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, unlike the CBS crew, uh, you know, I mean, the CBS crew on the SEC should should stop being so uh, just stop sucking up. You guys lost the contract. Maybe they're all hoping ESPN hires them. But it's just, the Heisman will not be all Alabama players. So they might somebody might win the small sample Heisman. So who do you have as your small sample Heisman winner? Small sample Heisman. How
2: about that?
0: Although I was not going to hand out as many Heisman trophies as the CBS crew wanted to give to Alabama on Saturday night, I had to give the small sample Heisman to Devontae Smith of Alabama. He caught 15 passes for 184 yards. He had two touchdowns, and, I mean, he was unguardable. And, I mean, 15 passes in the SEC championship game. That, that's mind-boggling. That's more passes than, like, most years Alabama threw back in, like, the, the early Saban days. Uh, just it was a remarkable, fun offensive performance by uh, by Alabama on Saturday night. And I once again left slack job by Devontae
2: Smith. Uh, I'm going to give the small sample Heisman to Dan Wetzel's guy and... The guy Dabo Swinney said, it's so obvious who the best player in the country. Thank you, Dabo. Yeah, that is Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, in a game that a lot of people thought was going to be close, uh, Trevor made sure it wasn't against Notre Dame. He shredded Notre Dame. And he was as good running the ball as I've ever seen him. He's had some really good games in that way. But that was the huge differentiation between Clemson at Notre Dame in November and Clemson versus Notre Dame in December. DJ Uyongalele played very well up there, but he couldn't run the ball well. And that hurt him in the red zone. That's why they kicked field goals. They weren't kicking many field goals this time around because Trevor Lawrence was getting them in the end zone. He ran for 90 yards in a long touchdown. Uh, He threw for 322 and two touchdowns, uh, including, you know, a classic Trevor Lawrence bomb that just zipped through the air. And... Yeah, he missed two games this year. I don't care. He's the best player in college football, and he's winning my small sample Heisman, and we'll see who gets my large oh, sample yeah, Heisman. Yeah, you can't yeah. give out your word.
3: But yeah, kid can play. I'm just saying. Uh all right. I am uh I am going with Trey Sermon, the running back at Ohio State. Oklahoma transfer. How about this kid? Three Big 12 titles, one big ten. It's pretty cool. Three hundred and thirty one yards and two touchdowns. 29 carries uh, it kind of came out of nowhere He, I, I looked i did not know that much about him yet. his year 48 yards 56 yards 68 yards 60 and he had a buck 12 against michigan state and then all of a sudden he is eddie george and walter payton uh and derrick henry combined i don't think they win without him i mean it was a no. very tight game it was a six point game deep in the fourth quarter uh, he just went absolutely crazy. They could not stop him. He also caught three passes. Unbelievable game for Trey Sermon. So the senior from Marietta, Georgia, gets my small sample Heisman. And had this been in a different order or, you know, it got used a little bit more. I Might have won the regular. I don't know if you win it with six. But, hey, I guess playing games don't matter in college football. So, anyway. All right. Said plenty of mean things, particularly about um, everyone involved in the college football playoff. You know, do we have anything nice to say about anybody? Can we can we say something nice? That's the point of the show.
2: I'm going to do it. Yes, I can say something nice. Uh, kind of an obscure play, but to me, kind of summed up the season almost. Uh, it's the last game of the season, of the regular season. Oregon State playing Arizona State late Saturday night, you know, uh, classic Corvallis game, you know, it's raining, it looks like crap, it's just, you know, kind of grim and glum, and the Oregon State runs, to me, the the greatest short yardage play I've ever seen. They line up to go for it, I think it was a fourth and one and they, uh, they hustled the, uh, the quarterback up under center. Looks like it's going to be a sneak, but they got another running back behind him. They snap it through the quarterback's legs to the running back, and he throws it downfield to the tight end for like a 35-yard gain. It was an awesome play, one of those random college football things that you see on Saturday night. And you, frankly, we weren't sure we were going to see any of them, especially in the Pac-12 this year. Oregon State gave me a late-night thrill there. Pac-12 after dark. Thank you, Beavers. The,
0: the tight end who caught that ball also runs the 40 at the same
2: speed as Pat because he got caught <laughs> from behind. Uh, yeah. yeah. Two yeah. guys. No, that, should have, that should have been an easy touchdown. It
0: yes. was not. Yes. Uh, two guys. Great two play. guys
3: caught him. That's not good. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's a great say something nice, Pat. I, I'm going to say something nice just in general about conference champions. So what what happens, and this happens somewhat in the NCAA Uh, as conference tournaments go into the NCAA tournament is there's so much focus on championship Saturday on what's going to happen with the playoff. And rightfully so, because that's the way the sport is shaped now and what matters. that I think we overlook the journeys and the emotion of conference champions. So I'm going to say something nice about Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati's quarterback. Pat wrote a great feature on him uh, on SI earlier, earlier this year. He's a, I believe a true junior from, from Louisville, Kentucky. He's, He's a wonderful player. You know, Cincinnati is emblematic of every team in college football this year. They had pauses, they had COVID issues, they missed games, they canceled games. So to hear the emotion in his voice about winning a conference championship and being a conference champion was just like a nice reminder of what has been endured and achieved, as opposed to just immediately flipping the page and going to the playoff, the playoff, the playoff. So congrats to Cincinnati, congrats to Ball State from Friday night, congrats to San Jose. Um. Even Nick Saban said, I, you know, I think there's winning an SEC championship means something. So congrats to all of the conference champions and uh, uh, a well-earned and very difficult ring in 2020.
3: It's a good one. I am going to uh, say something nice about whoever it is that sets up the college football playoff committee's watch room. <laughs> Did you see that thing? <laughs> oh yeah. That is the worst setup I have <laughs> ever seen, and they deserve it. <laughs> what do they got? 13 plus Hancocks in there, 14 people spread out at those in a bland uh hotel conference room in Grapevine, Texas, with with just rudimentary round tables. Everyone had to wear a mask, uh, social distanced. Uh, one guy has water. Nobody else has anything. No food. No chicken wings. None of that corn. You're always talking about Pete your Pat, <laughs> the jalapeno cream corn. Man. Where's the? None I, I got to hope the beer cooler is stashed under the curtain of this table because I would quit. You have to watch 14 hours of football in that crappy chair. <laughs> Spaced out. You can't even hear the other people wearing a mask. With no, not even a pretzel, nothing. <laughs> I hope this isn't what they go through, but I kind of do. This is what you get. This thing, this is how Luke Fickle would cater your meal. Bunch of jerks. <laughs> no respect on the AAC. No respect for you. Sit there and take it. This is. Not, I. I love college football. I watch the stupidest college football games possible. I would quit the committee if you told me that's what I had to do all day. <laughs> You remember if you've seen, obviously you've seen the, the Fanville commercial where we finally have the verdict on the guy who jinxed the kicker. And yeah. the judge rules, you have to go 10 weeks without Dr. Reverend. He's just put me in jail. Right? It's great. I love the I love Fanville. So much better than that creepy uh soda guy. I didn't like the soda guy. Yeah. Um, Larry Culpepper. I would but just so- choose prison because at least you can mingle with the other people while watching the, the TV in the, the the day room. This is awful.
2: At what point do you say something nice during this say something nice thing? <laughs> I don't
0: know. <laughs> in that in that spirit, I just want to point out that uh <laughs> Two hours and 58 minutes into this uh, gone with the wind of a playoff selection show, they gave Cincinnati Athletic Director John Cunningham his chance to plead his case. <laughs> like, yeah, awesome. The NFL games are on halftime, and John Cunningham <laughs> just popped up on my TV to give the Cincinnati case. They clearly wanted to give them a big forum to uh, oh, yeah. to, to, to stoke the, the, that controversy. <laughs> like that's, uh, Nobody that left watching. Like the, the perfect coda to screwing over Cincinnati, right there.
3: I don't know how you sit on this committee. What is, I mean, look, look at that chair. Doesn't even give them a decent chair. As much as I scorn this committee and the entire process, I don't want to see them tortured. These are these are good people. They mean well. They'd- they need some ergonomically more friendly
2: chairs. If God. they, you know, I, I hope that was just like a dumb photo up so they could say, "Look, ah, here's the committee be. watching games." But or where they know that's not really like, what they got to do. It's the optics. It's they're
3: worried about like, oh, these guys are like popping champagne bottles down there while the un- unpaid student athletes. Right? I'd rip them <laughs> no matter what. I'm just ripping this side. You're not fooling me. I
0: have a feeling our our, our group texts from our sources deep within the committee are going to have some opinions on how they're uh, how they're treated.
3: I already talked to one last night who was complaining that is he that uh, <laughs> he or she I will say we're not going to you know somebody back was hurting. So that's kind of <laughs> where I got the idea for this. I'm trying to stand <laughs> up for you guys. <laughs> Get them better chairs. Come on. All right, we're going to do a bowl preview this week. Once right. if, if there are any bowls left. Uh, we'll be back yeah. midweek. Who knows what else? It's possible Jimbo Fisher will his head will pop off as he talks fast. Jimbo <laughs> talks fast all the time. Oh but man, he is talking fast now. He cannot spit the words out <laughs> quick enough. He's a hard guy to take notes on. If oh, you're trying to tape quote yes. recording Jimbo Fisher. Is that transcribing Jimbo Fisher tape? Yes. Yeah, Jim Calhoun's nightmare. The old UConn mm-hmm. coach, Jim Calhoun, was the toughest. Yeah, Calhoun was bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was Calhoun like, was oh my lord. Bad. I can't. I, Calhoun
0: I, was bad because, like, his sentences would run on and then they like, divert it wouldn't finish. So when you have to quote yeah. Calhoun, it's, like, these, like, it's, like, seven paragraphs long, but he, like, he, he just keeps going. He doesn't, like, get to the point. And it takes, like, a hard <laughs> turn before he gets to the point. He
3: said to be, like, Calhoun was pleased with his team's play tonight.
0: Yes, yeah. that. Or it's like or it's like 132 uninterrupted words. Like, I have no idea what to do with this.
3: Ray Allen, good. That's it. Yeah. I,
2: just... I have to, real quick, the, the the one Jimbo Fisher quote, though, that he kept concise and in one sentence, he gave me outside of the locker room when they won the championship in 2013. They faked a punt or they onside kicked in that game against Auburn. I don't remember which. And I asked him about and I think they were losing at that point.
3: He looked at me and said, "It was either that, or we go get blowed out." <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well, Jimbo, plenty of time to uh, to work on your routine here. Although I guess you got to play a bowl game. Who are they playing again? Oh, they get Carolina They're playing North Carolina. I'm picking. I'm picking a And M right now. I, gonna, I'll take A&M and the points I'd like to see which team has, still has like 60 guys all right, We'll then. see, we'll see, yeah. opt-outs will be big Anyway, we've got plenty more, don't leave us now And uh, we'll be we'll be here Because we got nothing else to do Appreciate you subscribing, leave us some nice reviews Always use those Tell people about us And uh, thanks for listening all season We made it through the regular season, now let's get to the playoff Talk to you then Look around